Hi, and welcome to the Post-Acute Point of View, our discussion hub for healthcare technology in the out-of-hospital space. Here we talk about the latest news and views on trends and innovation that can impact the way post-acute care providers work. And we take a look at how technology can make a difference in today's changing healthcare landscape in both home-based and facility-based care organizations and the lives of the people they serve. Today we hear from Melissa Polly, Director of Marketing for Home and Hospice at Matrix Care and her special guest. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Melissa Polly, Director of Marketing at Matrix Care. I'm calling in from just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and I've actually been marketing in the healthcare industry for just a little over 20 years. I want to thank you all for joining us today. I'm excited to chat with our special guest, Sarah Kivett, a registered nurse, but also the Director of Palliative Care Services at Hospice and Palliative Care of Iredell County. We're going to discuss driving operational success in home-based palliative care. Let's go ahead and get started. Sarah, let's start by discussing your origin story at Iredell. Thank you, Melissa. I have been a nurse for 32 years in acute care and then the last five years in post-acute care. Our organization has a combination of serving clients who are in the rural setting, but also in the suburban setting of Charlotte. We have palliative care programs in the hospital setting, the outpatient clinic setting, and of course, home-based palliative care. And our census runs about 350 to 400. And our hospice line is home-based with two hospice houses with a census of about 200 to 225. Excellent. Thank you for that background. Let's go ahead and jump into some of our questions today. What is outpatient palliative care for our audience and why is it important? Our outpatient palliative care program is a medical consultative service, and our goal is to manage debilitating symptoms for the chronically ill patients who may or may not be hospice eligible. There are many times that patients are still seeking aggressive therapy, but are experiencing debilitating symptoms or side effects that are negatively affecting their quality of life. And our goal is to help them to maximize and live a good life while experiencing these symptoms or living with a debilitating illness. I believe we really need outpatient palliative care to provide that continuity of quality care from the acute side to the post-acute settings for chronically ill patients. They are on a healthcare journey. And my work in acute care for so long, I truly understood the need for this continuity of post-acute care until I've got more into this side. I, I think now I understand what they go through when they're in the hospital, but then what their needs are when they get out. And I believe very strongly that palliative care is that bridge that these patients need. Thank you for that. I think that definitely gives us some insight for why this is so important, and I appreciate that. What do you think is the key to having a successful palliative care program in these types of settings? I think that's kind of a wide umbrella, but I think under that umbrella, you must have organizational buy-in and strong understanding of what palliative care is. Even though palliative care has been around for a while, there is still a misunderstanding I think of exactly what a true palliative care program can provide to the community 
as well as to the, at the community as a whole, because we look at the whole family. It is not just that patient, but who is taking care of that patient and what they are going through as well. But I think the organization structure, whether that be for us as a nonprofit, we, our board, we try to make sure that our board who is trying to partner with us to provide services, really understand the benefit of that. Then also under that umbrella is really focusing on the organization's mission statement and their values for their goals and their values to meet that. The mission of our program is to honor life by providing extraordinary care with compassion, comfort, and dignity to our patients, families, and communities. And I think that honoring life is the piece that palliative care really fits into because we want these chronically ill patients to be able to live a life that as much of their goals of care as they can, but to be a part of that to live life well. The other part is knowing that palliative care for your program will be an investment. It is not something that may give you a quick return So patience is very much important, but it is an investment when beginning to budget for your services. Understanding that palliative care sets the stage for hospice service line to be successful. Our palliative care program with our work in the community and with our patients, we have become our hospice number one referral source. So while we don't bring in a whole lot of money for our organization per se alone in our business unit, we do contribute greatly to the success of the organization as a whole. And I think that understanding and patience around that is very important. Those are excellent pillars of success. So in looking at the opposite of that, and I think some of those kind of highlight this, but what do you think is the number one reason that organizations probably fail when starting to do a palliative program? I I think part of that, and we experienced this a little bit in the beginning, is patience. We started out just, I'd say about four years ago, we only had 60 patients in our program. And we weren't really sure, is this the way that we needed to go? Our board wasn't really sure if this is the way we needed to go because We had staff, but with 60 patients, we weren't self-sufficient by any manner. And so having to be patient and not just give up is very important. Another part is to really understand your payer sources. We partnered with a local ACO, a large physician network in our community, and That is when our program really started taking off. We were able to set up regular meetings with them on a monthly basis to help them to understand what we were trying to do. We shared all of our data, which is extremely important to collect data from the very beginning, good, bad, or indifferent. It helps you to gauge where you're going and what you're doing. It also gives you marketing talking points for future referral sources. An example of that is that two of the main things that we collect in our program is hospital readmission data or hospital encounter data, whether that is patients going to the hospital and being admitted or 
going to just the ER for an ER visit. CAPC, the Center to Advance Palliative Care, suggests that looking at this data, you look at a hospital encounter history of a patient 90 days before being admitted into palliative care, and then that admission data 90 days after being in your program. And that helps you to base are our plans of care working? Are there things that we are being successful at? Or are there things that we need to focus on? And we do that often by diagnoses. For example, that helps us to know how are we successful with our CHF patients? Are we being successful with our COPD patients? But also what that does, it allows our marketing department to be able to take that data and to go back to the referral sources and say to a cardiologist, for the first quarter of this year, we were able to decrease hospital encounters for our CHF patients by 42%. So that helps to give your program validity, as well as showing them your commitment to quality. And I think that collecting data cannot be underestimated the value that it has. That's a very good point. And I love that you bring that up because I feel that it's becoming even more important in everything we do within our industry. So thank you for that. It sounds like when you're talking about the home-based care palliative that you have to be flexible as well. So with you having a hospital-based palliative care program, how does that program work and how do the clinicians document using the hospital EHR? We do have a hospital-based program, and it is only about 18 months old for us. We partnered with a local community hospital here, nonprofit hospital, that was having trouble with their 30-day readmissions. And it was primarily with their COPD and CHF patients. So we were able to meet with leadership and get approval to be able to provide palliative care services within their hospital for six months and to evaluate any successes that we had and was this working. That partnership was very important because as everyone knows, you really need a team to provide palliative care services and it's not cheap. So our partnership with the hospital consisted of us providing a strong nurse practitioner who had very strong skills with palliative care. And then we were able to utilize the hospital's chaplain and social work department. So we were able to collaborate with that. I think one of the important things with that is that we concentrated again on not a huge volume of patients to start with in those six months, but we concentrated on those patients that they were having the most trouble with, with the CHF and the COPD patients. We were able to show that our nurse practitioner would complete her consultation with the patient and the family and document directly into their EMR, which this particular hospital EMR happens to be Cerner. And that enabled her to be able to communicate directly back to the hospitalist and the patients and the whole team there. But also what it allowed us to do with our EMR 
was to be able to get that information more efficiently. She is able to bill for her services in our EMR without having to go back. She can do it at the same setting where she doesn't have to come back to the office and turn in forms of things of that nature. And it makes it a lot more efficient. And then she just sends us a message when the patient's going to be discharged and needs follow-up on an outpatient basis, she sends us a message within our EMR. And then that way, our marketing department can immediately set up an appointment for that patient, for the outpatient provider. If she says, you know, we need quick follow-up, they're high risk for readmission, then we set up an appointment to see them within seven days. And then that way, that continuity and her plan of care that she established in the hospital can be reviewed easily by our outpatient nurse practitioner and then can continue to be followed. So that documentation and that sharing of information is extremely important in that continuity of care for success. That's great. And I love all those examples of connected touch points, if you will, between the two EMRs. Because Mm -hmm. I think that that is tremendously important and leads us into our next question. So what types of true interoperability are important in palliative care? So I know you touched on some, so let's highlight some of the keys that help you guys. I think for our outpatient palliative care program, it is e-referrals and direct messaging back. The ACO that I mentioned earlier that we partner with we are able to, those physicians are able to go into their EMR and do an electronic referral to us just as they're able to do an electronic referral to another consultative physician that is in their network. So they do not have to try to write out something to fax a piece of paper to and got to find our fax number and those type things. Their staff can go into their EMR and send that e-referral, all of the information that we need for their last visit, their medications, their demographics, then load into our system. It is a very smooth system, and it allows then our intake staff to manage that referral very quickly, which also is high satisfaction for our referral sources. The other piece of that is direct messaging. It's just as important for us to receive the information from the referral source, but it's also very important for us to be able to communicate our plans of care and our work with the patients back to those referral sources as quickly as possible. So our direct messaging with just a few steps, there's actually three steps, can be done very quickly as soon as our provider closes that note from that visit, our staff can send that note directly back to the referral source and therefore even can get that information on the same day, which before was never possible to do. So then if that patient goes to see their primary care physician within a few days, they already know what our conversation was what the goals of care are for that patient, what they want to discuss with that primary care physician, and that physician can be better prepared for that patient visit. That is great, Sarah. Thank you so much. Just listening to you talk, I know palliative care does involve this kind of care coordination across the different care settings. 
And it sounds like interoperability is definitely helping you do that. I think I've heard you tell a story about trying to help get some of your referral sources connected with interoperability. And I know some of our audience probably has challenges with this too. Could you talk through that example just a little bit? Absolutely. We have a referral source that I had worked with this physician in his office for several years when I was in acute care. So I did know him. It was very difficult for him to make referrals. And especially with palliative care, we had talked with him about palliative care. And as many of those listening may have experienced that there are many referral sources that think that they already do palliative care. But one of the things that he would say would be, I forget about y'all because I do this so much. So we presented to him and his staff the electronic referral piece. Well, he wasn't so sure that that was something that he needed to do or needed to know. However, we pursued that and we got everything set up and we kept in contact with him. And ironically, he was the first one to send us an electronic referral and We have only gotten electronic referrals from him since. It ended up being so easy and so seamless for him. And it also was an item to choose in their EMR. So it was there to remind him what we do and is this patient a patient that could benefit from palliative care. So I felt like this was a very strong win for us because he was so against not just the referral, but pretty much the program as well. And then sending our notes back to him so promptly, he was able to keep up with what we were doing. So I think that that was a a good success for us. I love that. And it's always great to have kind of a turnaround story like that. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, we hear a lot within our industry about these national networks, such as Commonwealth and Care Quality. Can you comment on how this has helped your team care for patients and track care? Well, Commonwealth is being more accepted and utilized throughout the country. And Commonwealth is the one that we are engaged with. And the idea behind it is that providers can keep up with where patients are going and especially if you will, our community, we are 30 minutes, two different directions from two very large medical centers. So our patients are not just staying in our community, but they are seeing a lot of different providers, whether that be in Charlotte or Wake Forest Health. So having Commonwealth has been very helpful to help us know, okay, since our last visit, where has that patient been seen? That also helps us with our hospital encounter data because it's not just where those patients have gone for an encounter here locally, but where also have they been that may be out of town. So we're able to see exactly what specialists they saw and then what we need to do to help to change the plan of care that we have, depending on now if that the goals for that patient have changed. This is particularly true for our oncology patient population, but also our cardiac patient population. That's great. Thank you. And as always, I enjoy talking with you and definitely having you here with us today. 
could you just take a moment to share any advice that you have to organizations wanting to add palliative care to their home-based organization? I think the biggest thing that I have learned is patience. And to be honest with you, I'm very result-driven And this has been kind of hard for me. You start out with 60 patients and you think, oh, you know, this is not what I thought this was going to be. But to be very patient and to be diligent and to know that this is a benefit to the community, but also to remember that if we look at healthcare nationally, I believe that palliative care has a huge role to play. And I think being patient with your program and being working hard to grow your program, I do believe that there is going to be a time where the reimbursement for these services are going to be more recognized by the insurance companies and see the value of not just increasing quality of care, but also to more efficiently manage the healthcare cost. And that is around deprescribing, which is something that palliative care looks at too. How many medicines are you on and and how many of those may be trying to address side effects from other medications that you're on to decrease medication cost, but also just repeated hospital encounters. So I think patience is very important, which is sometimes hard to do. That's really great, Sarah. And, you know, I have to say, thank you so much for all that you and your team does, as well as all the other post-acute and home-based organizations out there. We definitely consider you guys to be true angels on earth. So we appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I think it's an honor to work with these patients and these families. It really is a very needed, I believe, part of healthcare, but it's also very rewarding too. Thank you so much. I love that. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Post-Acute Point of View. We had a great topic, driving operational success in home-based palliative care and the flexibility needed to support that. I also want to thank Sarah for sharing her insights and expertise with us. Thanks again, Sarah, and thank you. That concludes the latest episode of the Post-Acute Point of View from Matrix Care. We have a lot of guests and topics coming up that you won't want to miss, so be sure to subscribe. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, and if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, leave us a review. To learn more about Matrix Care and our solutions and services, visit MatrixCare.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Be well, and we'll see you next time.